Welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Flora, and today we're joined by Victor Casale. He's not only the co-founder and CEO of refillable makeup brand Mob Beauty, but is also the co-founder and chairman of custom skincare brand Pure Culture Beauty. In addition to running two brands, he's also a big advocate for recycling in the beauty industry as the co-founder of Pact Collective. Victor, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Liz. We have a lot to cover today with all the brands you're working with, but you also have a long career in the beauty industry. You were the chief chemist at MAC Cosmetics and co-founded Cover FX. So I thought we could talk first about your background. Going back, what first got you into beauty? Well, actually, it was my future wife. I was studying chemistry at the University of Toronto. I was dating my high school girlfriend. And we were having dinner at her home, and her older brother was at dinner, and his name is Frank Toskin. And he asked me if I knew how to make makeup or if I'd be interested in making makeup because he was trying to start a cosmetic brand that was called Makeup Art Cosmetics at the time and uh, became MAC. And I said yes, and I wanted to, you know, impress them and set up a, a makeshift lab and, lab and, you know, brought in used equipment and tried to figure out how to reverse engineer makeup at night and weekends and got my degree during the day. And, you know, that's how some of the formulations started with Mac back in 1984. In that role, I, you know, as the science guy in the family, my role was to formulate product and uh, manufacture it. We, we manufactured almost all of our product in Toronto. We grew the brand globally and we sold to Estee Lauder 15 years later in, in the mid-90s, and uh, I started a complexion brand called Cover Effects, which was born out of a university hospital department of dermatology in Toronto. And that was because we were supplying foundation to them at MAC to help them show patients how to camouflage some of their issues while they were getting treated by the dermatologist. And when I left MAC, they asked me for help. So again, I started a lab in their dermatology clinic actually in a patient visiting room and we created foundation products for patients that uh, were non-sensitizing you know I had patients that had severe issues and the idea where there was to take out as many ingredients that I didn't need to have in a formula but make the formula perform and that and that was like in in 2000 and so I was really learning about the clean movement 20 years ago and and formulating with that in mind, but also making products, you know, perform and, you know, built that company up over 15 years and uh, moved on as it uh, went to a private equity firm and started Mob Beauty. And uh, at, well, so I don't know how far you want me to go with this, but I've got a, a, a much more to talk about with Mob and with Pack Collective and Pure Culture. But that's how I got in the industry. Um, you know, it was, uh, I don't know if you want to call it by chance or was to impress my girlfriend. I'm not sure, but uh, I fell in love with the industry. I've never looked back. I love the beauty industry. I love innovation. I love developing new products um, that help to shape the industry. And that's really my my focus and, and my personal um, commitment to, to the industry. And now you're back to the beauty startup world. What is different about launching a brand now compared to the previous decades when you were at the early stages of your brands? 
That's a great question, Liz. It's it's very different. The things that are the same is that it's challenging. You are you are always working with limited resources, and you are trying to compete against industry incumbents. That hasn't changed. What has changed? Couple of ones to note is the product life cycle. You know, thirty years ago. I could formulate a product, we could launch a product like Studio Fix, for example, at Mac, that would have a long time in market as an innovative product. In fact, I think it still sells today and it still does well. And that, you know, that would last 10 years. You would develop a cool, innovative formula that you could 10 years from now say it's still going to be on the shelf and doing well. Today, it's almost like 18 months. I think you could launch, you know, we can launch an amazing product. When I say we, I mean the industry. And, you know, within a year, the customers are saying, well, that was good. Now what do you got next? You know, like what's, what's new? What's next? And that has changed. And that is challenging for the larger brands because there's a lot of investment in time and um, bureaucracy to get a product out. And so the fact that the, that, that the products don't, last as long in market is is challenging for them. But it really makes the indie startup brands um, that are very uh, agile and have a short time to market, it allows them to compete. And that's why I believe you see a lot of the small indie brands succeeding today, or at least getting in market quicker with, with less pushback from the incumbents because of that quick turnaround. The other change is communication, advertising, marketing information, really the the social media and you know the, the world wide web, the internet, I don't know what you want to call it, is allowed for information to get out faster and more frequent. And that creates a lot of noise. And when you're trying to launch a brand and make a difference and position yourself, you are in a very crowded room that's very loud. And it's hard to sustain that uh, for an extended period of time for anyone to really hear you long enough to understand who you are, why you're different, and why you're better. Those are two big differences that I find um, today that didn't exist 15, 20 years ago. And maybe the third one is what I like to call the Google entrepreneur. And, okay, it's kind of a funny term, but... What I mean by that is that the, the cost of entry into the beauty industry now is a lot lower. You can, from your home, find labs, third-party you know, uh, shippers. You can create things. You can learn things. You can, you can consolidate information. You can make connections. You can pull together a brand without even leaving your home, actually, um, and that has lowered the, the entry, so you find a lot more people coming into the beauty space, which creates a lot more innovation, but then it also creates a lot more noise. And you launched both Mob Beauty and Peer Culture in 2019. So I'm just thinking about all the founders out there who might be listening to this and they have one brand and they might be thinking, how does he do it with two? So did you want to go over your roles as co-founder at each brand and how you're balancing the two? Yes, sure. Well, fortunately, I think one factor is that 
uh, this is not my first time. So, you know, Mac, although I didn't start Mac, I was there at the beginning with my brother-in-law and his partner, Frank and Frank. And I saw the company from four people, you know, including myself, to over 1,500, 2,000 in a matter of 15 years. And there were years where we grew 100% every year, year over year, for seven, eight years. And we made everything. And we, we launched into 20 markets. And I was a part of all of that. And so my bandwidth went from, you know, launching the brand to building a brand globally and then and then connecting it to Estee Lauder, which was a global brand. So I spent three years after our sale integrating each part of the, helping to integrate each part of Mac into Estee Lauder and then started again at Cover Effects. Again, a couple of people and built that out to 20 countries through direct-to-consumer and retail partners so I did that twice. And so now I, I, I have resources, I have people, I have experience. Uh, the biggest thing that, that, that having been through two companies from, from its inception is that you, you meet a lot of amazing people. You get to work with a lot of amazing people and not just people, suppliers, retail partners, industry, supply chain people. All of that brings the capability to get more done quicker, more efficiently, with more impact. And so with that, um, launching two brands, launching one brand is a challenge. Launching two brands is, 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 is a challenge as well. But having all of that uh, behind me and having people in each company that have just a, as much experience as I do allows us to do it and do it successfully and it allows us to support each one as if it was our only brand. At Pure Culture Beauty, my partner is Joy Chen. Joy is a veteran of the beauty industry. She's been the CEO of two successful uh, skincare brands. She runs that business. She's the CEO. I provide operational formulation, scientific and, and supply chain support. On the Ma Beauty side, I run that company with my partner, Alicia Gallagher. Alicia's been in the industry for a long time and she knows all aspects of the industry. She's a makeup artist herself. She worked with Laura Mercier. She worked with, with me. We worked together at Cover FX. And Alicia is, is a dedicated industry veteran with a lot of experience and she really drives that business as well. So, you know, I've surrounded myself with amazing people that I've worked with in the past and that really helps drive each business as if they were unique. So just to kind of give you a little bit of a, a, a understanding of each one, Pure Culture Beauty is a personalized skincare brand. That really was driven by my feeling of how I for typically formulate in the industry. I usually, you know, generally formulators try to formulate products that, that attract as many consumers as possible. So you try to make products do as much as possible for a lot of people. So you don't really focus on any one thing in particular necessarily. You kind of go wide and broad and try to sell as much of a product as possible. That really works against being effective and um, specific to anyone's particular needs. Everyone has different needs at different times of the year or different times of their lives. So we developed a model that um, we, we formulate personalized and customized formulas that specifically do uh, certain, that provide certain benefits. And we have, uh, we send skin tests out to the customers. They do a couple of skin tests, a skin health test and an oil level test on their skin and cheek. It gives us a baseline. 
taken with their preferences and their skin goals. We have personalized formulas that go out to each customer. For sustainability, what's amazing is we're not producing 10, 20,000 of anything and putting it on shelves and and stuffing the, the supply chain with product that'll sit on a shelf for months, if not years, and maybe get destroyed after because it doesn't sell. We actually micro-batch every customized formula. We make them on demand. We don't make more than two or three months worth of any specific uh, formula. We have a lot of them, and we only send them out when we have a customer that fits that profile and gets that product. So there's less waste, and it's much more impactful and accurate in delivering the needs for that particular customer's skin concerns and goals. And that's pure culture beauty. And that really was driven by my partner, Melinda. She bought me a 23andMe kit about, I want to say, five years, four years ago when they first came out. And I was fascinated. I'm a science guy. And I think, wow, this is amazing. Um, you know, my partner, Melinda, works for Johnson & Johnson, and she works on their innovation. And she's telling me, hey, there's going to be customized and personalized med- medicine. You're going to get a drug that is good for your pain relief, but might not work on somebody else based on your uh, DNA or your specific genome profile. Uh, and, and I thought, wow, well, we can do that for beauty. And that's kind of where the genesis of, of Pure Culture Beauty came from. And of course, my partner, uh, Joy Chen, um, who was introduced to me, we, we were talking about this and we loved this and we ended up doing a, a project together, a consulting project together for a large multinational and found that we really were aligned and that's how we started Pure Culture Beauty. And Mob is um, where I have a lot of fun because I started when I was 20 years old in beauty, making lipsticks and eyeshadows and nail polish and pencils and just about everything complexion. And that's where I have spent most of my time is formulating color, performance color. You know, the first 15 years of my career were developing makeup for the for the professional makeup industry. You know, Frank Toskin brought me into every setting. We went to, uh, you know, we went to trailers in um, Los Angeles in the film industry. We went backstage on uh on live shows, we went to photography sessions, we worked with makeup artists on all aspects of their job, looking for what they needed, what they wanted, and we delivered performance products for them. And and that's really how I learned to formulate. And at Cover Effects, it was about taking the performance, but making them safe and clean and non-irritating and, and um, you know, taking them to that whole extra healthy level that, that we have. So Mob is an, an accumulation of all of that for me. Mob is is actually called Mob because it's a community platform. We are we are built to work with our community, with creators, with our um, with the, the makeup industry to work with us. We work with creators, we work with makeup artists, and we're actually working with uh, with other brands in the industry. We're sharing our knowledge. We're sharing all the sustainability work we've done in in refillable, in compostable packaging. It's very exciting. We're having a lot of fun. And we're all about transparency. I don't know if you follow us on any of the social media platforms. We're out there and we show you what happens behind the scenes. We 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 bring you along the journey of, of the idea of a product, creating a product, how to formulate the product, how to test the product, and then again when we launch it and, and uh, what happens afterwards. So it's very exciting. 
Yeah, and it's interesting because refillable and custom both seem like pretty different business models, but they do both seem to have a connection in that they're big on repeat customers, subscribing. So what are your strategies for building customer loyalty and encouraging these repeat customers and getting them to embrace a subscription type model? Okay, well, for Pure Culture Beauty, what is unique about this model, I'd like to use going to your uh, doctor on an annual basis for your checkup. You go, they have information on you, they ask you some questions. How are you feeling? Where does it hurt? What do you have any issues? They weigh you, they check your blood pressure, they take some blood. So they have some, some objective and some subjective information. And that information gets used to prescribe a healthy routine for you or something to help move you in the direction you want to go. And that's exactly what happens at, at Pure Culture Beauty. We, we send you tests that get objective measurements and then we ask you what your goals are, what the issues are, what you're concerned about. We, we know where you live, so we know the, the climate that you're in. There's a lot of variables we use to input into our model that helps prescribe the skincare, uh, the personalized skincare that is, is specific to you and your needs. And that's exactly what you do with your doctor. So to, th- does that encourage a repeat business? I believe it does, because now you have the power of all of that information being used to help you uh, get to the right product. And that's very powerful. And generally, that doesn't happen when you walk into a store and you pick a bottle off the shelf. First of all, you don't know how long that bottle's been there. You don't know who has formulated that product and for what type of skin. You're kind of guessing based on the marketing language that's on the bottle. And in six months, you may have moved to a different part of the country or you may have something may have happened in your life where your skin is totally different. And nobody knows but you, and you're just testing a different product to see, or maybe you're using the same product. So it, there's a real big disconnect. And so having having the ability to, to have a provider have your data and keep up with you and keep up with your data. We actually send retests and we encourage people to retest themselves after a year or six months or if they move just to see if anything material has changed on their skin. And and the formulas get automatically readjusted uh, based on our our on our algorithm. And and that's what I believe drives the repeat for that for that model. So at Mob Beauty, what we're doing is we're really trying to reshape the industry to move towards sustainability, not just in um, formula, but in packaging as well. What we've done there is we've our our formulas are based on renewable, sustainable ingredients. Our packaging uses recycled material. We, we, we actually have a policy that we won't use anything that is not, not at least 50% post-consumer recycled material. Most of it is at 100, but uh, some of the, the, the plastics are at 50 uh, because that's where we started and that's where we got the quality we wanted. We keep pushing for more. And then we just uh, have finished a pilot of compostable packaging. So we launched a lipstick tube, and a compact in compostable, fully compostable packaging. Uh, the pilot showed that consumers were um, excited about 
using compostable packaging, and that over 75% of them would consider that as a, an appropriate upgrade to something that gets thrown out and that is not recycled. And so this year, we will be launching fully compostable solutions throughout our product line. So you will be able to purchase a makeup product that comes in a package. You purchase it in a package that is compostable, but you can actually remove it and refill it into a compact and use it over and over and over again. So not only do we have a refillable solution, we have a refillable solution today, but we will have a fully compostable solution in the future. So the customer gets the best of all worlds. They're going to get a professional quality, clean product because that's how we formulate it, Bob. It is community, it is, it is community driven. We work with our community members. We bring in community members into our lab. We bring in creators into our lab. We bring in other brands into our lab. We work with them. We share our capabilities of clean and sustainable um, development. And we show people everything behind the scenes. So we believe that a lot of those factors create a community where you want to uh, come back to and be a part of. And Victor, you're so focused on sustainability and you've launched the Sustainability Collective, Pact Collective. But what's especially interesting and what people might not know is that you were very early to the product recycling trend. You helped launch Matt Cosmetics Recycling Collection Program way back before this was on everyone's radar. Did you want to talk about how you first got into this? Interestingly, back, I want to say it's probably been 35 years now, Liz, so it's a long time ago. This is back before municipal recycling programs didn't exist in most of the United States and Canada. Probably California had some, but the rest of the country didn't have it. And, you know, my brother-in-law, Frank Toskin, and his partner, Frank, were sitting around the table and they said, you know what, we need to take back all this packaging because it's just going to landfill. We need to set a standard. We need to educate the consumer. We need to bring awareness to the fact that this stuff doesn't get recycled. This is 35 years ago. So I'm looking, thinking, okay, yeah, that's a great idea, but how are we going to manage it? So, you know, my role was to, to manage the operations part of it. So we we actually had all the, the retail partners bring all this packaging back um, through the return to vendor program. We gave out little cards little business cards where, you know, you could have stamped and signed your name every time you brought a package back. After you brought six packages back, you got a, a free lipstick. What that created was a reward for the consumer. But more than anything, it created awareness for everybody that this stuff doesn't get recycled. And by bringing it back and consolidating it, we can make better use of it down the road. And what we did back in the Mac facilities in Toronto is we had an area in our facility where we had cardboard, big cardboard barrels and we took things apart. I mean, I back in the early days, I would, you know, scrape mirrors off of compacts, snap caps off of lipstick tubes, sort them all out. We we turned this material into pallets we used in our warehouse to move material around. Some of the dirtier stuff we we used for park benches. They were they were made and 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 put into park benches in the the area around our facility. Um, and that always stuck with me. And you know, thirty years later. When we were starting Mob, even before we launched Mob, Alicia and I looked, we looked in, we looked and said, you know, we need to do a back to Mac program. And my, I looked into the industry and to see what was available. I didn't find any solution 
in the industry. There's a lot, there's a few providers in, in our industry that do recycling. I was not comfortable with any of them. Some of them didn't tell you anything of where the material went. Some of them were so expensive. I said to myself, man, this is a for-profit. You're making money off of helping out the environment. So we started, we we thought of starting a back-to-mob recycling program, but uh, I met Mia Davis, uh, who was the head of sustainability at Credo. We aligned on our ideas and said, why don't we do it for the industry? Pack Collective is it's a nonprofit organization. It unites the beauty industry to make our packaging more sustainable. And that's what it is. It's, it's kind of like a program that doesn't just collect hard to recycle materials. It provides education. It provides a non-competitive community for the industry in the whole supply chain. So it's not just brands. We have over 160 members to date. And our members are from across the beauty industry supply chain. We have packaging suppliers, we have brands, we have retail partners, we have media. All of these come together as members. We provide information, we provide guidance, we provide design guidance. We also have uh, a mailback program. We have over 45 brands, beauty brands, that have a mailback program with us. We have 300 locations in Canada and the U.S. where you can uh, drop off products. Sephora uh, is expanding their pilot this year. Uh, Alta is launching a pilot with us. So Alta is a member. Sephora is a member. Those are two retail partners that plan to have um, in-store recycling programs or collection programs across Canada and the U.S. Uh, we're, again, we're in Canada as well with HBC and Winners. Um, it's really taken on. It's only been a year and a half with PACT, and we really see a need. We're transparent. We're not-for-profit. The costs are are low and shared amongst the whole membership. I'm really excited about that. You know, in, in the 30 years with the Back to Mac program, which still runs, I never really saw, you, you, you didn't really see it get out of that brand, even as they lauder that has 30, 40 brands. I think, I don't know of any other brand that's actually doing anything to that level. So in the 18 months that we launched Pact, we have really created a community of sustainably oriented and focused companies across the supply chain that are, are hoping to, to minimize and eliminate packaging waste in the beauty industry. And I remember the last time we talked about this, you were very candid about where the packages go and the process of getting them recycled. So you mentioned that there's actually a certain volume required to get a company to recycle a bulk group of packages. So what are you seeing these days? What What is the status of where these things are going? And have you hit that volume yet with your new retail partners? We're trying to. We, we've, we've hit the volume on... Okay, so let me just step back and say, correct, when you're recycling material any material, there's a minimum threshold that you really want to to process at any one time where the cost carbon footprint benefit is there. So if you're trying to do small batches and you're putting more energy and effort into recycling something, the the cost and carbon footprint benefit won't be there. So when you get to, you you, you know, each plastic or or glass material has a certain volume benefit to process for recycling. And those numbers are big. They're 50,000, 100,000 pounds. They're big numbers. And of course, beauty packaging is very small. And so, you know, it takes a while to collect enough. 
Where we've seen the ability to process material based on volume is glass, small glass, colored glass. We get a lot of in the beauty industry. PET, which is the you know the plastic that's used widely in in water bottles or you know drink bottles, and polypropylene, which is kind of a harder material that's used um, in the industry widely as well. Those materials we've been able to collect enough to process. The ones that are difficult are the hard to recycle ones like PVC. Any styrofoam, any ABS, any SAN. I mean, those are abbreviations of plastics that are used in our industry. Generally, the number seven plastics that are found um, in your recycling programs, your local recycling programs, are difficult. And we're collecting those and cleaning those and shredding those. And we're looking for alternative ways to recycle them. You know, we've, we've partnered with Eastman. And so we're, we're, we've been validated to turn that into chemically recycled uh, materials. So it gets broken down into its monomers, its unique component, and then regenerated into a new plastic material that can be reused again in the beauty industry. And you've been very transparent about what the challenges are with getting certain materials recycled. Do you feel like there's finally more awareness in the industry of that aspect of it, of the fact that some stuff can't necessarily be recycled, or is there more transparency with that these days? We're we're seeing it, and we're we're teaching it, we're educating, we're sharing what we've been learning. It really starts with the consumer. The user of any product is the one that ultimately determines um, whether the material will be recycled or it's it's going to be recycled if they're willing to rece- accept something that can be recycled. If a consumer doesn't purchase a product that is hard to recycle or ends up in landfill, that's the best solution because now you don't consume something. And the per, the, the company who's selling it realizes that they're not going to sell it unless they change. So that's the most impactful. Secondly is the consumer behavior. The consumer has to want to clean out their package to recycle it or to reuse it or refill it if they can. Um the behavior has to change. We are very used to, and we've been conditioned by the industry, not just the beauty industry, other industries, where you just purchase, consume, and discard. And there's no thought about what ha- what the afterlife of the discarding is. You worry about where your ingredients come from in beauty or where the food com- comes from in a food product. But it, it's, I'm speaking in gen- generality, generally, we don't think about what happens after we toss it either in a recycling bin or in a garbage bin. And, and those are the biggest, most impactful changes that can occur. And it's starting to happen. And what we're trying to do at PACT and even at Mob Beauty is educate the whole supply chain and say, hey, there are a lot of things you can do to help improve on wasteful consumerism or supporting the planet uh, just your community. You know, at Mob, we do refillable. Refillable is probably the most impactful way of reducing waste. You're refilling a package. You're not buying the package every time and throwing it out. That is, is probably one of the most useful and impactful ways of reducing waste. Refillable hasn't really taken on. The industry doesn't hasn't moved towards it yet, maybe because the consumer hasn't. But I think if if we all align, refillable is the way to go. 
Compostable is another area where we believe that even if you don't want to change your behavior, for example, you want to buy a product and and you just want to throw it out, not necessarily worry about it. If you have a compostable product, no matter where you throw it out, it's going to turn to dirt. And that's one of the areas we're moving to with Mob. This year, we're going to be offering, we've done a pilot, and we're going to be offering compostable packaging. So if you have a home composter, great, put it in your home composter. If you compost out in the backyard, great, do that. If you don't, you live in an apartment and nobody composts in that apartment, if you put it in the garbage, it's going to turn to dirt. And those are two very impactful ways of reducing waste in packaging in the beauty industry. Now, at PACT, we collect hard-to-recycle packaging because we're dealing with legacy design and legacy materials. The goal is to move everyone towards designing packaging that either is refillable, compostable, or easily recyclable recyclable, not hard hard to recycle. And bringing this back to mob beauty and peer culture, what is the typical customer profile like in terms of the way you market to them? How important, for example, is the refillable aspect in your marketing of mob beauty? Is there a certain consumer group that is looking for these low waste options or do you lead with the makeup? How do you approach it? That is a fantastic question. Let's start with mob beauty. What's amazing about mob beauty, because it is a community-based platform and it's not, it's our culture. We are community oriented. It's in our name. We bring a lot of different community uh, people together. We, we have customers who are loyal sustainability uh, advocates, and they love the fact that we're refillable and we, uh, we use compostable packaging. They love it. And they follow us and they, they promote us. We have vegans and we have you know very clean, vegan-oriented customers who love the fact that they can get professional quality product that is vegan. It's hard to find. You know, most brands don't worry about that segment of the consumer base. We do. We formulate product without the use of any animal products. And that is a win for a lot of these types of consumers. Our customers are makeup artists. We ship to studios. We ship to makeup artists. We ship to sets. You know, we've, we've done red carpets. Our products, my background, our background is, is, is formulating professional quality product. And we do it in a very clean way, in a sustainable way. And that is our market. So we have a diverse market, uh, uh, sorry, a diverse community at Mob that really brings together various aspects of what we offer the consumer today. And plus, we're very fun and exciting at Mobs. You get to see everything we do along the way behind the scenes. So that's exciting. At at Pure Culture, we're we're targeting customers that are maybe afraid is not the right word, are not are a little concerned about knowing, like trying to find the right skincare product, or don't know enough, or are so busy in their daily lives that they just don't have enough time to really research. You know what's what ingredients work? What do I really need? What is my real skin issue? Most people don't know what their skin issue is. They just kind of think they know based on what they read or hear or feel. Um, and so at Pure Culture, the con- it's really a consumer who's looking for someone to help them get the right solution 
almost like going to your doctor or your dermatologist saying, look, I need your help. What, you know, these are, this is my skin. This is what I want. How are you going to get me? So Pure Culture has that type of a customer. Mob has a more diverse customer that come to Mob for many different reasons. And that's also reflected in your retail strategy with Pure Culture. You're at Target and CVS now. Mob is at Credo. So how does that affect the messaging and marketing for the different types of audiences for something much more uh, mainstream at something like a Target or a CVS? Well, for Pure Culture Beauty, what we're doing is we're bringing personalized skincare uh, to a broader audience. So you you don't have to walk into a very expensive retail environment or clinic or esthetician to get an evaluation, to get a, a, a either prescription or to get a product recommended to you. Um, you know, this is a way of getting some science and some data and some intelligence to everyone in an affordable way. And so Target, CVS, and this year we're, we're launching in some other uh, easily accessible channels is the way to go. We, we provide this to everyone. So you don't have to spend, you know, two, three hundred dollars to get something that's personalized or have to live in a city where they offer that service. This is a, a way of, of getting very customized, personalized product out to everyone. And the channel works well. In Target and in CVS, there's four products, four boxes. Each one has a test kit in it, and each one is the promise of a serum, a a moisturizer, and a serum, a moisturizer, serum, and cleanser. It's it's like three SKUs or four SKUs that can deliver 50,000 combinations of solutions. So you can just imagine the shelf space that you, you save the, the amount of waste you save and being able to be that powerful and offering so many solutions in three packages or four packages. I mean, that's, that's, that's a great way to do it. With Mob Beauty, we've, we, you know, we're, we're two years old and we launched a uh, direct consumer, you know, we launched uh, in, in January 21st uh, in 21, which was like in the middle of the pandemic. And we built our business very carefully because we're community focused, because we're small, agile, fast to market, it was a way to really build our resources and our platform to scale. And when, when the world opened up in 2022, we launched in Credo. We are great partners with Credo. We actually exceed Credo standards in, in clean and sustainability. So we're kind of leading the way there. And we also are in a professional channel in, in California at Namie's selling to the industry. We're looking for, you know, and we're talking to uh, various players, retailer partners in, the, in, in North America, and we're excited to share, uh, to share what we've done to, you know, to share sustainable beauty, professional quality products, uh, clean products, um, community focused products um, to more people. And obviously you have so much experience scaling brands. So what do we have in store for Mob Beauty and Pure Culture in the coming year? Well, this year we're, um, for Mob, this year we're going to be growing our distribution channel. 
We're going to be uh, launching the first of a long line of uh, sustainable, fully sustainable packaging solutions. We'll allow the consumers to purchase a product that comes in a sustainable, biodegradable, compostable package, and then they can refill it into a uh, a forever refillable package. Um, we will be bringing on more creators, makeup artists, and other brands into our labs in Toronto and in um, Palm Springs, California, where we work with them and launch product together. Um, so we will be working with other brands, and that'll be very exciting. Um, at, at Pure Culture, we'll be expanding our offering into more retail distribution, and we'll be offering uh, more products uh, for the skin in our platform. So it's really exciting. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of turnover this year in the industry, just based on coming out of a of a pandemic business environment and now kind of hovering on a on a recession environment. There's going to be some turnover, and it's going to be very exciting. And there's going to be a lot of innovation, both through retailers and through brands. And we're we're excited to be at the forefront in both. You know, for Pure Culture, we're excited to be at the forefront of customized, personalized skincare. And in makeup, we're uh, fortunate enough to be at the forefront of sustainable, clean, professional, community-oriented makeup. And it's really an exciting time. And I love this. You know, innovation, beauty is is where I want to be for a long time. Well, Victor, thank you so much for going over everything in such detail. It sounds like you have a very busy year ahead. We really appreciate you being here. Well, thank you, Liz. I really appreciate uh, having been invited and, and thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. See you next week.